What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, we'll talk about daily fantasy sports, how to approach daily fantasy, and how you can start making some money today. This is the Sharp Angle, every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Sportsbet MVP, great online sportsbook, sportsbetmvp.ag. And they're going to have all the games and leagues we're talking about. And I know we mentioned that earlier in the week. It's like, you got to be careful. Some of these sports books don't offer every league, every game. You know, some of the maybe lower level soccer leagues, some of these softer markets. But I tell you what, Sportsbet MVP has every single sport every single day. And uh, they've got a cool feature too, a prop builder. So if you guys like prop bets, go in and build your own props. See what the lines the house give you, uh, the house gives you with the prop builder, part of Sportsbet MVP online. Sportsbetmvp.ag. All right. So on today's show, like I said, DFS: How to Approach Daily Fantasy. Um, and you know, I mean, ideally, you can take these concepts and start working. Start getting some lineups in, you know, start testing the waters, seeing how you do, because certainly it's it's a process to get good at DFS. And the first thing I learned when I started dipping my toe in the water, started studying daily fantasy sports, was how different it is from sports betting. Now, there are some similarities, but I mean, in general, it's a very, very different game. Now, to start off, because this is more of an intro for DFS, if you're an experienced daily fantasy player, you may know some of these things already. But starting from the beginning, starting from the uh, for, for, from scratch, if you will, you know, daily fantasy sports, uh, for those who don't know, is just another way to play fantasy football or fantasy soccer or fantasy hockey. Now, a fantasy sport is where you draft players that are in the league, that are playing in games, but you make your own team of individual players. So if it's the NHL, you can have a goalie from the Tampa Bay Lightning, a defender from the Colorado Avalanche, a forward from the Edmonton Oilers. The idea is you're making your own team based on individual players, and how well they do determines how well you do. So they get points for their stats. The more players you have that individually perform well, the better your fantasy team will do. That's how it works in year-long fantasy. I'm sure a lot of you listening play season-long fantasy football or baseball or basketball or whatever it is. Same idea there with the scoring. The better your player does, the better your or the better your uh, your players do, the better your overall team will do. So you're just building your own team with different combinations of players. So it, it's very similar to season-long fantasy, except you're auctioning for players. So you're paying a certain price. The better the player, the more expensive they can be. This limits people from just stacking up on the best players. You have to be good at picking cheaper players. Okay. So we'll get into kind of all the, the ins and outs of, of that process. But again, to start off, very similar to season-long fantasy. You're drafting a player, making your own team of individuals, and you're getting points based on how they do. And again, you're auctioning these players in daily fantasy. So you're always paying a price for the better players. So now that we kind of have an idea about what daily fantasy is, let's talk about how to approach it. Because I, I think that what happens is a lot of people will sign up for a tournament, sign up for a head-to-head, whatever it is in DFS, and then their next step will be to pull up the rosters and start building the lineup when there's a lot of things you should do first. The first step you should do is to handicap these games as if you were sports betting them. Now, we all handicap different. We all do different things to, um, 
to make sure that we're ready to bet a game. I'm not going to tell you how to handicap, but I'm saying that you have to fully handicap these games as if you were betting them before anything. Recent team news, recent team injuries, how are they doing lately? How is the matchup with the other team? You know, uh, are, are any players uh, facing suspensions? You know, things like that, right? Handicap the game. Handicapping the game is very, very important. Get an idea of who you would bet on, what side you would take, because a lot of DFS players will approach it by looking at the lines first, but then not handicapping. They'll just say, oh, okay, Vegas has Team A as a huge favorite, therefore I'll look for players from Team A. But just because Vegas has a team a huge favorite, we talk about this all the time on this show, it doesn't mean we necessarily agree. The market is imperfect, so we have opportunities to find where the market's wrong before we even start looking at individual players. So start off these games by handicapping. It's very important you look at this at, at, at all of these games as if you were going to bet them before you look in, in, into individual player stats. So start off by a general overlook. Handicap each game. Get an idea of where each team is. Then you're going to want to take a de- an in-depth look at player stats and kind of analyze how the, how the players have been doing lately. Now, for soccer, because again, it's uh, soccer season, we're not going to have any DFS that's anything but soccer for about a month, month and a half. So if you're looking at soccer, you want to see how certain players have played the last five or ten games. You want to see how these individual players play against the team that they're facing against. You want to see how they play against the style they're going to be playing against. Uh, so this is where you have a chance to do in-depth player stats. You know, see how see how they do against average teams, against better teams. So when you're handicapping the game, you know, you'll get an idea of if you like a certain team to be pushing, pushing, pushing. Right? Let's say it's uh, a game going on today, uh, Man City and Chelsea. Okay, if you think Man City is going to hold the ball and push and, and get opportunities on net. Well, you want to then see how Man City does in, uh, in games where they are expected to hold the ball, get a lot of shots on net. You want to go back and look at how they've done in the past against Chelsea. Who has stepped up? Who hasn't stepped up? So that, that, that's the next step. Once you handicap, get in-depth player stats and analysis, okay? Look and see how good are the players, what have they been doing lately, again, who's hurt, how's the matchup with the other team, and then how do they typically do during the season? So now we have an overall handicap on the game and we have individual player analysis, hopefully for every player and you make notes. I like this guy. Don't like this guy. Uh, and I would also have the FanDuel or DraftKings, uh, the price is up. So, you know, I, I like to write down, oh, this defender, I like him, but he's expensive. He's 14, 15 bucks. You know, oh, this, this forward is really cheap. He's $8 and he usually has a good game against his opponent. So write down the prices. Keep that going as well, because just like in sports betting, it's not just about how good is this player. It's about how good is this play this player compared to the price they're charging for him. You know, we talk about this all the time in sports betting. If you're going to bet on the LA Lakers just because they have LeBron James, that's not good enough. It's going to be priced in. Everyone knows LeBron plays plays for the Lakers, right? There has to be other reasons, and we have to find when the line is wrong. And the same thing goes for Daily Fantasy. You know, we can only take players if we disagree with the price. If it's a great player, but they're the most expensive on the board, there's a reason they're the most expensive on the board. We're looking for value with these player picks. So let's move on to the next uh, approach. We handicapped. We've looked at individual players' stats and kind of analyzed that. Then we're going to kind of go to the 
the overall game. The in soccer and hockey, goals are king, right? In the NFL, touchdowns are king. In the in the NHL, again, hockey goals are king. You want to focus on the best opportunity to get the most amount of points. So you're going to want to build a lineup with different types of players. In soccer, you're going to want goal scorers up top. In in the midfield, you're going to want players who can... Because here's the thing. You can either go for a long shot lineup where everyone has a chance to score. Maybe some defenders who get in in the mix. A midfielder who takes set pieces. Whatever it may be. But you want a good mix. You want... In my opinion, you want some scores, right? And and, and, and we'll talk about stacking those players eventually. Um, you want scores up top in the midfield. You want some players who are going to get a sit or a get interceptions, get tackles, get some of those clearances. And on defense, you want some good defenders who maybe also have an opportunity to do some work in the final third and score. So, in soccer and hockey, goals are king. In football, touchdowns are king. You've got to find a way that you can definitely get in the mix with goals and touchdowns, but don't sell out only going for goals and touchdowns. Otherwise, in hockey and soccer, you're going to have defenders that rarely, rarely score that have a very, very high upside if they score, but that's probably only 15% of the time. The other 85% of the time, they're scoring low like always, and you're not going to do that well. So I think that keeping in mind Soccer and hockey, goals are king. Football, touchdowns are king. You've got to find a way to get those stats while incorporating balanced lineups. All right, now let's talk about stacking. Because stacking is a very important concept no matter what sport you're playing in in fantasy sports. And the idea of stacking is that you're putting players together who are going to play together in real life. So as we said earlier, you know, if it's the if it's hockey, and you have a goalie from the Tampa Bay Lightning, forward from the Colorado Avalanche, and a, a defender from the Arizona Coyotes, whatever it is, uh, those players are all obviously on different teams. They all may do well individually. There's nothing saying they won't, but they're all on different teams. What we get when we start stacking players is correlation. And for those who know, has been following the show, anytime we can find correlation in betting, really anything in investing, you want to to do some research, find out it, why that correlation's happening, okay? And so for certain ideas like stacking, it certainly makes sense that if one player does well, the likelihood of those around him also doing well, that goes up. Now, the square mentality here is if one player's playing next to another player, the likeliness of them both doing well is not very good. Let's use an example. Let's go to the NHL. Let's use one of the elite first lines. Now, obviously, Edmonton sometimes mixes their lines up, but let's say, hypothetically speaking, this line is going out there tonight. Leon Dreisaitl, left wing. Connor McDavid, center. And uh, we'll go Zach Cassian, right wing. Okay. What happens is a square mentality would say either we're going to take Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl because they're both very good players. But let's say Connor McDavid has three goals, has a hat trick. The likeliness of Leon Dreisaitl that now scoring goes way down. So let's stay away from both players because only one will do well on any given night. That is incorrect. That is not the correct approach. And numbers just, just, just completely disprove that idea altogether. The idea of stacking and correlation in this is that when Connor McDavid does well, 
Leon Dreisaitl will also do well. Why is this? Because the likelihood of Connor McDavid getting an assist from Leon Dreisaitl is very, very high. So now, if one player does well, the stats that go aside from goals, because obviously, if Connor McDavid has a hat trick, that probably means Zach Cassian and Leon Dreisaitl don't have goals, but they probably have a couple assists. They're probably getting other stats in other areas. So when you find players to put together on the same team, stacking players, this can be very beneficial. Up to 18% better in the long-term return, okay? 18% better ROI in the long-term, and that's a rough estimate. Could be maybe 16, could be 18, or could be up to 20. Uh, but my point is, it is substantial the edge and the the uh, the benefit of stacking players. And this goes for every sport. I know we're talking a lot of soccer and hockey today, and that's because soccer and hockey are similar. Those are what I do professionally. That's what we're going to have coming up, especially soccer these next couple weeks. But the same idea applies to football. If you have, God forbid, if you ever draft Baker Mayfield, maybe he's cheap, you better have Odell Beckham Jr. Because the likeliness of him throwing a touchdown and Odell Beckham catching that touchdown, pretty good. And if one player does well, now you have a chance of other players doing well simultaneously. It's not about, this This is one of the differences in sports betting and fantasy. Sports betting is about riding the wave. It is about riding that 55%. It's a long grind. You expect some wins, you expect some losses, that's fine. Daily fantasy is more about hitting home runs. Unless you play only 50-50s or only heads-ups or only one-on-ones, things like that, it's largely about hitting home runs, hitting that big home run. So you don't want an average lineup that may or may not do well. You either want a chance of doing very, very well or just throw your lineup away. I know it sounds counterintuitive to my hardcore sports bettors, but that's how you approach DFS. It's about hitting the home run. So that's why stacking works, is when you do get those goals and assists and start stacking those points, the likeliness of you finishing top one, top five, top 10 in a tournament greatly go up. So stacking is a very, very underrated concept. I think it's happening more and more across the world of DFS, but it's very, very important that if you want to win in sports betting, you immediately apply the concept of stacking. And the last thing we'll talk about today is the metagame, because this is what's often overlooked. A lot of people do these first couple steps. To recap those steps, we want to handicap the game just like we're betting the game. Then we want to do in-depth player analysis. Look at the player stats. Then we want to keep in mind the flow of the game and what we're betting on or what we're investing in. In soccer and hockey, goals are king. In football, touchdowns are king. You have to find a way to get those on your roster in terms of touchdowns and goals without sacrificing depth. Okay, that's very important. You want, then you want to look at stacking. You want to stack players from the same team who have a likelihood of having very big games. And last here, okay, this one is often overlooked. You want to do the meta game. You want to do the meta analysis. What does the meta analysis mean? You want to then look after everything's done, you have an idea of what players you, you, you like, what their prices are. Then you're going to want to say, okay, now that I know who I like, who do I think everyone else in the tournament's going to take? Or who do I think my opponent is going to take? You know, it's like, it's like the, uh, the three levels of poker strategy, right? Level one, what are my cards? Level two, level two, poker players, they play, well, let me start over. Level one poker players play their cards. Level two poker players play their opponent's cards. 
Level 3 poker players are playing a different game entirely. They're playing, what can I make my opponent think I have? That's kind of what we're doing here. You have to go to level 3 if you're going to be a really good DFS player. It's not just about who's the good players. It's not just about who are the good players at a good price. It's also about who is everyone else going to take. Because in our example, if we like Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, but every other team in the tournament has them, well, then that's a wash. All of our hard work is gone because now everyone's going to get the exact same points that we're going to get for those two players. And now it comes down to the rest of the roster. So not only do you want good players, not only do you want good affordable players, but you want good affordable players who no one else will be taking. And that's big. That does get overlooked far too often. You've got to put the same good players on the same teams together when you can. Don't sacrifice heavy, heavy, you know, unloading all your money on one or two players. But when you can stack, it's going to be very beneficial. All right, that does it for today's show. Good luck, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.